You are Locked On Bulldogs, your daily podcast on the Georgia Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to this very special crossover edition, Locked On Bulldogs. Locked on Wolverines podcast. Uh, Clint and I, the Locked on Bulldogs host, are joined by Isaiah Hole, host of Locked on Wolverines. Isaiah, how are you doing today, man? Well, a little bit, uh, a little bit nervous with all of the uh, with Texas A&M having canceled their bowl game, college football playoffs, sending out their contingency plans. Uh, you know everything that's going on with you guys. With you know, with and I know you can clarify, but just uh, you know the. The JT Daniels, George Pickens news. I'm like, come on, we need a full. We need not only two teams. We need full strength teams. I don't want any aster. I want the game played. I don't want any asterisks in this one. I want whoever to win, win fair and square. Not because they're playing the scout team, you know. So a little nervous. Absolutely. Fantastic. Let's start with that. Let's start with that feeling, just as all college football fans do, impending doom. It's a it's a warm blanket that that. <laughs> Cuddles us all, this impending dune. Um, we are yeah. going to talk today about the matchup between Michigan and Georgia heading into this college football playoff game happening very soon. We are down to single digits nine days away from this game, which I am thrilled for. We're all thrilled for. Uh, and so with that being said, uh, Isaiah, how how are you feeling about this matchup? Um, because I, I'll, we'll tell you a little bit, Georgia, Georgia is looking at this matchup and the thing that comes to a lot of Georgia fans minds right off the bat is excitement because um, Michigan is like our perfect matchup. Apparently, I know, by the way, a legal disclaimer, uh, today's episode brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite, we'll get to you in a little bit, but um, back on point, we're excited because our Georgia fan is excited because Michigan loves to rush the football. Georgia dominates the run game. Um so we got a lot of feels of excitement. What's your general feel so far about this matchup? I'd say it's about the same here. I mean, I, I, everyone kind of knows what Georgia does up here and is well aware of how good they are. But Michigan coming into it with the Joe Moore, Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, uh, they have certainly done a very excellent job against kind of no matter who they've faced. Now they have had games where maybe they haven't run the ball as well as some games, right? Like you look at uh, – you look at Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin has the number one rush defense in the country. Michigan got a, a little over a hundred yards in that game. Uh, but that was still a huge win given what, uh, Wisconsin tends to let up, uh, Penn state, uh, Michigan was able to run late, but earlier in the game, it wasn't really able to, uh, Michigan state, Michigan was able to run a little bit, but really wasn't able to, but Really, after that Michigan State game, which includes the Penn State game, things have been, they've been bruising, right? Ohio State entered the, uh, the that game with a thought to be an extremely improved defensive front. They didn't let Kenneth Walker, who's maybe the best running back in the country, single guy uh, in the country, they they didn't let him do anything. And then you know they go up against Michigan, talking about how they're going to hold Mich- the fans. That is hold uh, the Wolverines to next to nothing. And then 297 yards and five touchdowns later, it was uh, a completely different story. So I think Michigan fans are, uh, and the program, I'll say that they they are very optimistic 
that they'll still be able to run. The offense has been able to move the ball on every defense one way or another that they've faced. Yeah. The only time that they haven't been able to was weirdly a second half against Rutgers when it just completely yeah. stalled out in week four. So really, I mean, it's otherwise it, it, they've moved the ball on every defense they've faced. So I think that the Michigan fans look at it as, all right, Georgia's another one that they're able to do, uh, that they're going to have a test against. Um, I, th I think that the big one that people feel really optimistic, reason why people feel optimistic is a mixture of Wisconsin and Iowa. Uh, Iowa, it took, a, it took a minute, but eventually Michigan was able to do kind of whatever it wanted offensively. Uh, and then it all kind of started with uh, a couple gadget plays early as well as one big run play. And from there, it, the, the floodgates opened. So when Michigan fans look at the fact that Georgia lost to Alabama, even though Michigan plays a very dissimilar style of offense, uh, they, they're very confident that uh, with the way that they play with, uh, you know, 13 personnel when, when they want to run the ball, having J.J. McCarthy as a change of pace quarterback, he's a run threat, but he also has the big arm. We've seen both. I think uh, and just the, the complete breadth of the offense, the fact that there isn't really a player you can hone into, which kind of reminds me of the Georgia defense. Right. Uh, but just on the other side of the ball, it makes me it makes a lot of the fans feel like Michigan should be able to do kind of what it's been able to do to this point. Yeah, Michigan State game, as you were talking about those kind of two, the record game, that's that's just a weird anomaly. Look, Georgia runs into that every so often where it'll play, you know, South Carolina and have a bad game, and, and that's unique. But uh, that Michigan State game, Cade McNamara threw for 383 that game, which mm -hmm. is way outside the norm for what Michigan wants to do. Haskins only ran for 59 yards. Conversely, you go to the Penn State game, McNamara threw the ball 29 times, 217, but Haskins had 156. And so one game, Michigan State was able to bottle up a couple of running backs. Uh, the other game, they were kind of Haskins was able to just dominate that thing. And, and yeah, it seems to us, we were talking to Brooks Austin yesterday. He was talking about the explosiveness of Michigan um, and actually how they're the fourth most explosive offense in college football. Uh, and people don't understand that these shots are there, the big arms or the big runs, these 75-yard runs are there for Michigan. Uh, so yeah, I, plenty to be excited about. Uh, that is certainly true. Uh, Daniel and I, Daniel, uh, from Georgia's perspective on Michigan, does that scare any, does that scare hearing that? Like, well, the, the yeah, imposingness I mean, or the excitement? Yeah. I mean, we'll get, I mean, maybe we'll get to Georgia, Georgia, in, maybe in the next segment, but like maybe just as a follow up, is it that simple, Isaiah? Like, is this game that simple? If, if, Georgia makes Cade McNamara throw the ball 30 times because they've, you know, because they've got him out of sorts. So they've gotten him in a second long, third and long situations. They're not able to move the ball on the ground. If he throws the ball that many times, I feel like Georgia wins this game. Right. And if, or is it, is it that simple to say that like if he has another 160 yard performance, but Michigan's able to kind of, that's what Michigan wants. Like that's, that's the kind of game plan that they're shooting for that kind of Ohio state pattern where he's fine. And I mean, Georgia's had plenty of these games from quarterbacks in the last few years, going back to Jake Fromm and then obviously Stetson at this year where honestly, the less this guy has to do, the better off the offense is because that means other things are working. Is it that simple for Michigan? Or do you think there is a, there's a scenario where Michigan struggles to move the ball on the ground, maybe maybe rushes for 100 total yards, you know, in the game, struggles to move the ball on the ground, 
McNamara does throw it 30 times and Michigan still wins the game. Is that Does that scenario exist in your mind? Absolutely, and that's kind of what the game plan was against Wisconsin. Um, against Wisconsin, they they weren't really trying to bludgeon the Badgers up front, knowing how stout the run defense is. And don't like a lot of people get it twisted when it comes to Cade McNamara and the Michigan offense in a lot of ways. And you, uh, Clint, you just kind of exemplified it with the Michigan State game. Michigan prefers to run the ball because they feel like that is the strength of the team. Michigan can throw the ball. It just chooses not to because, uh, as the old Ohio State coach Woody Hayes used to say, when you when you throw the ball, two things can happen or three things can happen, and two of them are bad. And Jim Harbaugh, being a disciple of Bo Schembechler, who was a disciple of Woody Hayes before the ten year war when they actually went head to head, that was uh, he, you, you expect that he's kind of of a similar vein, right? He's he's not mm-hmm. necessarily trying to throw the ball, but Michigan can throw the ball. It's just a matter of generally they don't need to. And then in some games, they've gone into it like people were really upset here in Ann Arbor when Michigan played Washington, ran the ball for some you know, 60 times for almost 400 yards. Yeah, they, they dominated Washington up front, which is something that no one really expected. Jim Harbaugh said after the game, we did this because we knew we'd be able to run and we knew we weren't going to be able to pass. Uh, so I think that I mean, of course, the Georgia secondary is terrifying, just as terrifying as the front seven. Uh, but I think that if Michigan, I, I would imagine Michigan's game plan will rel- be relatively similar to Wisconsin in the sense that they'll they'll throw probably relatively early as well as run early just to kind of see what it can do best sure. and then just kind of go from there. Uh, but it will certainly they'll certainly throw the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if they threw for anywhere between 30 and 40 times in the game. Uh, it's, uh, it's something that is in the repertoire. It just doesn't happen mm-hmm. as often because they don't need it. I think the thing to really watch though, if you're, it, what's something that Michigan's added in recent weeks is really getting Donovan Edwards, the true freshman. He's a five-star according to 24, seven sports involved in the past game. It really started in earnest against Maryland. And, uh, I mean, really it's only been the, been the only game that they've truly used it, but, uh, because of his ability to catch the ball, make people miss uh, and that kind of misdirection that comes with throwing, you know, or handing off or throwing to a guy in the backfield and then letting him do whatever he, you know, whatever he's going to do. It it sets up multiple opportunities. We saw Michigan get a a touchdown against Ohio state with AJ Henning in an end around because Ohio state, when they saw Donovan Edwards back there lined up the way he was, it opened up that other side of the field for the end around. Uh, Conversely, there was the touchdown against uh, Iowa in the big 10 championship game in which uh, it was, uh, it was a Donovan Edwards throw to Roman Wilson uh, that again, they, they threw it to Donovan Edwards and then he throws downfield. So they, they do a bunch of different things. The offense is really opened up. It is not as much as it kind of seems like it's a typical ground and pound three yards and a cloud of dust. That's really not what it is. Uh, so they, they can throw laterally, they can throw vertically, uh, they'll try to utilize the run game to keep things honest. If it's not working in you know in earnest in the sense of getting that four or five yards of carry, that they have other things that in, in their arsenal, things that are recourses that they can go to. The offense has been very imaginative, particularly from the Wisconsin game forward. So uh, mm-hmm. it's not that I'm saying that Michigan will do these things, that there's certainly a confidence emanating from Schembechler Hall that they that they have 
some opportunities at their disposal. Yeah, you said the award-winning offensive line, not even to mention the award-winning Broyles, award-winning offensive coordinator for Michigan as well. So there's imagination throughout the offense. That is definitely true. We're going to come back after this short break, but I first want to let you know about NetSuite. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets, outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial software system to power your growth with visibility and controls of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes, close your books in no time while staying well ahead of the competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade to netsuite.com slash locked. Head on netsuite.com slash locked for the special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses, netsuite.com slash locked. So um, uh, I think that's a really interesting point. Another interesting uh, facet of this game is to me, Isaiah, and I don't know what you make of this, how much stock you put into things like this. Um, th- these would not be two teams with a more different feeling a- around the program and around the fan base. Uh, Georgia is coming off of just an absolutely all-time humbling experience after riding high the entire season being a unanimous number one team in the country for eight consecutive weeks uh in the ap poll etc etc blah 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 being thought of as the super team among the best of college football whatever um absolutely humbled by alabama in the sec championship game taken to the woodshed and just beaten senseless honestly in in many phases of the game michigan meanwhile you, they laid the egg. They had, you know, they, they had the lead versus Michigan State, and then they laid they laid the egg, and they kind of had that sort of oh crap moment. Um, but that feels like ages ago now in this college football season, because since then Michigan has really turned it on, and they have played probably their two most impressive games from an outside perspective, their two most impressive games of the season in back to back weeks, and are now heading into the college football playoff with what feels like. A, a ton of momentum. And so I'm curious from the Michigan fan base perspective, when you look at this Georgia team, is there a sense that like you mentioned the Alabama game earlier and yes, Michigan plays a different style than Alabama, but coming off of this game and, and given where Michigan is, is there a sense of, of, of pretty steep confidence among the Michigan fan base that like, yeah, we're better than this team. We should beat this team. I know Las Vegas says it's an eight point, you know, we're eight point underdogs or whatever, but in a Michigan fan's mind, uh, how's this matchup look? What does a Michigan fan think of when they, when they think about Georgia? Is it that early season dominance that comes to mind or is it this, this more recent sort of chinks in the armor that are more apparent? Well, I think just kind of in general, the way Michigan kind of treats itself. And I think it's because it, they has to, big rivals every year it's more focused on itself uh and, and i think the the fans tend to be that way as well 
uh, in the sense of like we, we talked last night to uh, Andrew Stuber, Ryan Hayes and uh, a couple other players. And uh, I, I asked them about what uh, th- because we'd heard from some of the players earlier in the week or last week, rather. What do you, you know, you guys are constantly saying that you're confident, you're not surprised you're here. Uh, you aren't surprised you beat Ohio State. You're not surprised you won the Big Ten. And this isn't a year coming off of a ten, uh, sorry, a two and four season, a year in which a lot of people said Michigan might struggle to make a bowl game. And they were like, no, we, this is what, exactly what we expected to happen. And I, so I asked them why. I said, why is that? And I said, because this is, this is what Michigan football is supposed to be. We've galvanized. We realize that we, you know, if we play the way that we're supposed to play and do the things that we're supposed to do and execute the way we're supposed to execute. And that's one of the things that had been kind of missing last year was just a lack of execution, not having 11 guys on the same page. Uh, and now they, they feel like they have that. The offensive line was really good when Ed Warner was the uh, offensive line coach. Jerome Moore, the former o- uh, Oklahoma offensive guard, has taken things to another level. Uh, and I think that's obviously where it starts. But you mentioned the and I'll get back to the fan fan base and the feeling and Georgia and all that here in a moment. But you mentioned the how things kind of got turned around after that Michigan State game. Uh, it really what really helped is the fact that the defense galvanized because the defense had had one game already in which it kind of imploded in a half against Nebraska. They held Nebraska scoreless in the first half and then let up 29 in the next and Nebraska yep. had the ball in their hands and uh, it, it, with an opportunity to tie or win the game uh, with moments left. And then you go, you, you have a you have a bye week, you have Northwestern. And then after that, you've got Michigan State letting up the 16 point lead. I think that was really kind of a necessary evil for Michigan uh, mm. kind of a turning point because the defense ever since then has been ridiculously good. And uh, again, you have a you have a former Georgia guy in Mike McDonald. Uh, who used to coach under uh, Todd Grantham, Mark Richt. Uh, he's the defensive coordinator. And I think it, it, his scheme has really been bought into. It's very multiple. And then obviously you've got Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, and that's kind of where everything starts for the Michigan team in general. We talk about the offense. We talk about the run game. Uh, earlier uh, today I had uh, – I had uh, – uh, I don't. I, I'm blanking on the name, but I had the head of sportsbook at DraftKings, Johnny Avello. There we go. Uh, on and and when I I asked him, I said, "How do you see Michigan's defense against Georgia's offense?" He's like, "I don't really. I'm not concerned about that. I think Georgia's offense will be fine." But the thing is, is Michigan's defense has been just as good, if not better, in the last four weeks. Because I mean, it's essentially when you take in that uh, taking uh, taking that Alabama game. I know that's a misnomer there, but uh, yeah. Nonetheless, I mean, they aside from the fact that Ohio State still put up 27 points, I mean, that's the number one offense in the country. And Michigan held them to field goal attempts uh, rather than letting them get touchdowns. It was kind of a by design. Let them let them yep. kind of get to this certain point when them, and then we're going to slow them down and then we're going to get big sacks. It starts with Aiden Hutchinson and uh, David Ajabo. And I, well, actually, I want to ask you guys because I was just on Sirius yeah. XM earlier today and uh, Ben Hartsock. And Jacob Hester had said that one of the big issues with Georgia is that maybe the tackles haven't been quite as good at defending the uh, pressure. So what is your thought on that? The first thought is this. Um, uh, there have been two sacks by the tackles given up all year. Uh, McClendon <laughs> and Sawyer have given up two sacks all year. So there is this min- misnomer um, that I think when you think Georgia and SEC, you think a, a lot like Michigan. Uh, and you pointed out the roots of the SEC on the defensive side for 
um, GAs now working at high level jobs within Michigan. And you think Georgia, you think, you know, this power, this offensive line is going to want to just grade the run game. Actually, Daniel and I, we've been really saddened by the lack of push on rundowns and run schemes, but on, but on pass pro, I mean, Will Anderson, um, we can talk about which one should have been in New York. I I think Aiden Hutchison deserved to be there. But you're talking about all-world pressure guys, edge guys. And Will Anderson, outside of two plays, and one of them was just a bonehead mistake, wasn't a factor in that game against Alabama. Um, And and again, he's not the same same player as Hutchison and Ajabo for certain. But he is an elite pass rusher in college no, football. Absolutely. He is up there in the upper echelon of pass rush. And, and he's not the reason the Georgia offense struggled when they struggled in that game. Again, as Clint said, not really a factor. There has been a, a true uh, freshman, Broderick Jones, starting at left tackle for the last couple games because Sawyer is injured. He should be back. And so both tackles should be back and healthy for this game, which will help Georgia a ton. But as Clint said, I, I think the frustration with the Georgia offensive line, which there definitely has been this year, has been the ability to move people in the run game. Because what Georgia does not want to do, and I'll just come out and say it, maybe um, it, it's great that you have all the confidence in the world in Cade McNamara, but Georgia does not want Stetson Bennett to be throwing the ball 35 times a game. That's not the recipe for Georgia to win. Uh, they want to they want to limit possessions, and they want to be able to move the football on the ground. Now, they are not the old-school Georgia offense that's going to, as you said, three yards in a cloud of dust. Those days of college football are over, and neither of these teams operate in that system any longer. But Georgia's got big-time weapons on the outside, big-time pass-catching weapons, starting with the freshman tight end, Brock Bowers. And, you know, George Pickens, if that test is negative, as it seems like the most recent reports are, it's a negative test for George Pickens. And so if we're seeing him in the game, along with some of the other weapons that are wide out, they're fine with Stetson Bennett throwing the ball, but we got to be able to move the ball on the ground to give him some help uh, because the last thing that Georgia wants is for him to be dropping back and trying to win the game with his arm. The offensive line, not a concern. The quarterback play certainly has been a concern, and the run game has been a concern, but the pass pro, uh, not so much. Yeah, I I think that's where – that would be the bigger strength of the Michigan defensive front. Am I wrong about that? Getting after the passer versus stopping the run. If you had to, if you had to grade one of those out as a bigger strength than the other, Michigan probably more adept at getting after the passer than they are stopping the run. Is that right? It, it's been kind of a mixed bag because it's it seems like they don't do both well in a in a certain game per se. I mean, it's it's that's not necessarily always true. Ohio State they held Travion Henderson in the running game to seventy six yards. Uh, but uh, it tends to be it's one or the other. Usually hmm. uh, you look at, uh, at the Maryland game. Maryland actually ran the ball much better than it normally does. And it did it against the Michigan defense, which had been known as pretty much a run stopping. But uh, they couldn't throw the ball at all, which is kind of what Maryland has been known for. That's the one strength that Maryland has is, well, if, if anything else, they're going to be able to throw the ball with Talia Tagovailoa. And uh, they weren't able to do it. So it's it's. And going into the Michigan State game, the big concern was how is the Michigan secondary going to fare against Peyton Thorne and those two big receivers? Well, it turns out that wasn't the thing that needed to be worried about. Kenneth Walker was the issue. So it, it kind of varies depending on what their game plan is. It seems like they they find one thing that they decide in a game to take away, and they take it away. 
sometimes they'll make adjustments and things will start to work, uh, you know, for the other thing. But generally, it's one or the other. Penn State, awful at running the ball. Ran the ball, got a good four or five yards per clip against Michigan. Normally, we think of Penn State, Sean Clifford being able to throw the ball. He has Jahan Dotson, one of the best wide receivers in the country. Uh, Michigan limited him. I know he got nine catches for like 100 yards or so, but those were all underneath. That was all by design. They took away his big playability. Uh, so it's like Michigan decides what we're going to do in this game is this. And whatever that is, is what they end up doing. So it's hard to say which is the better part, stopping the run or stopping the pass. I'm, I'm as curious as anyone else as to what Michigan's game plan will be against the Georgia offense because who knows which one they decide that to go against. Are they going to let Samir White and, and you know Cook and all those guys do their thing? and say we're just going to stop Stetson Bennett or are they going to try to force Stetson Bennett to win the game himself? I don't I have no idea. That's that's the interesting. We got a question on the other side of the break about linebackers and safety within Michigan because I think I'm going to go back before the Alabama game and talk about the explosiveness that Todd Munkin brings on offense and what Georgia wants to do is, again, limit Stetson Bennett to about 20, 25 throws, but they're going to be very, very pointed and very, very explosive plays. Uh, but first, I want to let you know about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues to march on through college bowl season and the pro football playoffs, Bet Online is the number one spot for all sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign in today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of this amazing offer available for 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports, so don't wait. Take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. BetOnline, where the game starts. So here, here's my question. Brock Bowers uh, is otherworldly as it pertains to catching the ball, getting these explosive plays. I mean, um, Alabama game just showcased him in entirety of the second half as the comeback was attempted and ultimately failed. But he's been doing that all year long. He, he's breaking records for that. Um, what's the secondary like matchup wise? I know there's some length on on the Michigan secondary, these safeties and corners. I think all of them are over six foot that are starting all close to 200. Uh, there's some size, there's some strength, there's some speed. Um, what Todd Munkin wants to do for Georgia is hit these explosive plays, the, the George Pickens uh, little hit, little, little sluggo route, or the Brock Bowers getting him in space and open, really, really executing plays specifically for them. Uh, how does Michigan's secondary match up against the receiving core, which is the biggest strength of Georgia's offense, to be perfectly honest, talent-wise? Uh, how do they match up? Well, that's going to be an interesting thing, especially with a guy in the a guy in a tight end, because that's we haven't seen a lot of tight end play this year for uh, against Michigan, because generally tight ends have needed to be left in to pass protect against uh, Aiden Hutchinson in particular. So a lot of teams that normally utilize a tight end like Wisconsin, uh, we didn't really get to see. Uh, Penn State, we didn't get to see very much of that. Uh, Ohio State, the same. You know, I expected Jeremy Ruckert to them to find ways to to get him underneath drag route type things, and it, yeah, I think he was targeted once. You no know, catches, uh, but the secondary has been vastly improved. And I mean, it starts obviously with Daxton Hill, the five star, uh, who flipped to Alabama and flips back again uh, a week before signing day, and then on signing day. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's a guy that's kind of an all purpose utility tool for, for Michigan. Uh, he, he'll play in the nickel. He'll, 
Uh, he'll be your free safety. He'll do a kind of a little bit of everything. Uh, so him and Brad Hawkins, who's a fifth year guy, he's played more games for Michigan than ever. And anyone ever has, because you have the COVID restriction. So the, the fact that he's played all four your five oh, years. Sure. So he he's the one real senior because there has been also a misconception that Michigan's a very senior laden team. They have a couple of seniors that are top notch, like uh, Aiden, obviously uh, Brad Hawkins, another, but a lot otherwise is a, mostly a very young team. Vincent Gray and uh, and lately it's been DJ Turner since Jamon Green got injured against uh, Indiana. Uh, they've been absolutely stellar. Vincent Gray was you might remember him as being an absolute liability for Michigan's defensive backs a year ago. Always clutching and grabbing, guys were always blowing by him. Uh, I I would say if you go back and rewatch that Ohio State game, both he and DJ Turner did an incredible job on three guys that will be first round NFL draft picks. And when they mm. made catches for, for the most part there, there, yeah, there were a couple open catches, but for the most part, these were catches that no person, no human has any business making, right. They were making things like behind the back with one hand and, you know, like tipping it, in the, yep. tipping it in the air and catching it like Jackson Smith and Jigba did like it, things like that, that just seemed Im- absolutely impossible. Uh, they were making those types of receptions. So they were, they had to literally be perfect to make circus catches in order to be able to uh, get that nearly 400 yards through the air. Uh, but again, that was to be expected going up against the the nation's number one offense, which is led by number one passing offense with three NFL receivers. But yeah, uh, yeah they've got length. They've got speed for sure. Uh, not everyone has speed, but I think the interesting thing is Michigan will mix up the coverages right because before yeah. they under don brown the former defensive coordinator it was man coverage almost all the time it was you you knew kind of what you were getting mike mcdonald mixes things up and he'll mix who drops into coverage sometimes it's not always pretty that we saw a couple times where ohio state kind of recognized what michigan was doing and got jackson smith and jigba mixed up on david ajabo david ajabo dropping into coverage against like a 511 speedster not exactly what you want uh, but uh, they they've got some linebackers that can that can cover as well. Not everybody, but you look at guys like Junior Colson. He's a true freshman, four star out of uh, Brentwood, Tennessee. He that some some of those guys have been really good when they've been dropped in uh, dropping into coverage. And I think that's the big thing is you kind of never really know what you're gonna get if you're a quarterback because Mike McDonald kind of messes with you. He he tries to show you things that you think you're seeing and then changes it up so that is kind of what's led into a lot of different uh, things as far as the michigan secondary working got to add in rod moore he's a true freshman that's really gotten a lot of runs from the penn state game forward uh he's only a three-star guy but michigan's really relied on him very heavily the last few weeks uh he's a sure tackler and that's kind of been why they've uh he's got a penchant to be seemingly being able to find the football so he's a safety Michigan's really been utilizing him quite a bit as well. RJ Moten has a couple interceptions. Uh, he's uh, he's a he, former baseball player as well. So he, he's another guy that they like to use uh, as a safety. Um, and uh, But really, the corners are the, those two deep. But, uh, I mean, that's just going to be an interesting – I think that the, the Michigan defense versus the Georgia offense is just as interesting as the other side. It just seems like the other side dominates the discourse when it comes to – That's exactly game. right. Oh, I think it's more interesting to be honest. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think that's, 
I think that's the side of the ball that's that's much more interesting. Obviously, Georgia defense coming off their worst performance. Michigan offense has put up big numbers, at, to your point, against top-flight defenses like Wisconsin uh, and Iowa and others. Uh, and so you're right, that gets a lot of the, the conversation. But I think that I think that Georgia offense-Michigan defense matchup is going to be uh, critical in this game and is interesting for me to think about as we go into the game. And to your point, uh, Isaiah, that none of these Georgia receivers – will be the best receivers that Michigan's faced in during this season because those guys from Ohio State certainly are uh, elite among, you know, you mentioned guy from Penn State and and, and others. Uh, I do think the I think issue like, could be tight, close to be Yeah, but he won't be he won't be 100%. He's not I mean, he's coming off an ACL. Like he's not you uh 80% George Pickens still very good, but he won't be what he'll be next year in the NFL because he just hasn't had enough time to recover. But that, but the, the issue of the tight end, I think is interesting because Georgia will not be keeping Brock Bowers into block. Georgia has three tight ends that they all play a lot. And two of them are dynamic pass catchers. And so, you know, it will, somebody's going to have to match up against the guy who's, who's six foot five and two fifty. you know, running with four or five speed down the field. Uh, and, that's where Georgia's found success uh, with those types of – which that's not Chris Olave or, you know, Garrett Wilson or whatever. Like, that's a different animal trying to defend that. The question for me is can Georgia find other people to to be dynamic on offense? Can they get the ball to James Cook out of the backfield? Can they get the ball to some of these wide receivers underneath and let them run after the catch? Can they hit a big play action and catch the Michigan, Michigan secondary sleeping? Brock Bowers, I think, is going – to be a matchup problem, but I, he cannot be the only guy that Stetson Bennett has to throw the ball to. And can they protect yeah. him long enough for him to make those throws? Those would be the questions. Yeah. On yeah. Normally that tight end that comes in, John Fitzpatrick is going to be that guy. He is big and tall and, and mean, and he catches some passes on some, maybe some goal line stuff, but he's going to be the one probably chipping uh, Hutchinson uh, and some other uh, blitzing packages. They're going to keep him in to be Stetson Bennett's friend on the line of scrimmage and help that. Uh, and then, yeah, if Michigan's able to find a way to keep Cook grounded, keep Brock Bowers within a uh, reasonable attitude of of the you know the numbers he had before, Jorge's going to get maybe I don't know they they keep on saying we call him Jorge his name's George Pickens, um, he's going to have probably maybe eight more snaps than he did in Bama. Um, they're going to have a, a sure. set for him to do and take some shots. Um, but that is I, you're exactly right, Isaiah. Um, I I have nightmares of Aiden Hutchinson just continually in my dreams uh, against McClendon. Um, so that to me it's not is not even related to this game. That's just, that's just, no, a just window in, in the Clint's personal life. That's just a window yeah, just, in the Clint's just life. Big old, a, big old badger yeah. and, 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 and Aiden Hutchinson just yeah. coming at me in my, in my dreams. Right. Um, uh, nope. Yeah. Well, Isaiah, anything last, I mean, we're wrap, we're hitting this time window here, but anything, anything else you've got for us quickly as we, as we wrap up here, last well, I just think- thoughts on the game. What I just think is interesting is that these two teams and they're in a, I mean, they're different in certain ways, but when you look statistically, the style of play, all that kind of stuff, they're the Spider-Man meme, you know, two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. And I think that uh, you, you nailed it earlier when you had mentioned the, you know, the, the difference between potentially, you know, how does Georgia respond after a loss? How does Michigan do with a, 
a month off after its two biggest wins of the season and, you know, maybe in program history. Uh, so that's uh, that's going to be an interesting situation. Uh, I, I think that uh, th- the big thing is Michigan's going to want to start fast. That's certainly mm-hmm. what broke Iowa. Uh, it's also what, you know, Ohio State was primed to come back, but at the same time, starting fast kind of told Ohio State, you're not going to come in and roll over on us. Michigan has already said against Georgia, we're not going to come into this game playing scared. Uh, so what will be interesting to see is how do these two teams face off, like, fare off against each other in the first quarter yeah. and a half? If, if, if one manages to get to two scores, how does the other respond? Uh, because let's face it, Michigan isn't Tennessee, right? It's not going to, it's not going to roll over and die after it gets, if, if it punches first and gets punched back, it's not going to be like, well, that, you know, let's hang a banner. We got 10, you know, we had a 10, nothing lead or something like that. That's not going to happen. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how these two teams kind of respond to each other. I expect Georgia yeah. to obviously dig really deep based off of what did happen. Uh, but so it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting back and forth to see how these two teams kind of, if one hits hard first, how does the other respond? And then how does it go back and forth? Look here, Isaiah, yeah, I, I don't want you to think you're trying to endear yourself to our fan base by throwing shade at Tennessee, but you, you just did. So congratulations. <laughs> Thanks for that. Listen, yeah, um, it's not. Listen, we still we still don't care for you or your the team you support, <laughs> but we all hate Tennessee. And Ohio State's the worst. And, oh, they are the and, worst. And also Woody Hayes is an idiot. You could fumble mm-hmm. the ball when you run it. So that's the third outcome. You can gain yards, not gain yards, or fumble the ball. There's three outcomes yards. for you right there. In case you've ever watched football before, there's a bunch of different outcomes on every play. So whatever. That's, that's I do want to say quote in college football history. I am wearing I'm wearing a I am wearing an SEC shirt. I'm wearing my my LSU shirt right now, but I was really considering wearing my Georgia shirt so that it could because I do have mm. a Georgia shirt. And uh yesterday wow. I was wearing it and it was one of those things where I'm like, I'm wearing the Michigan hat and the Georgia shirt and the Michigan joggers. I'm like, I'm it's the uh the Mac from it's always sunny. Like I'm I'm playing yeah. both sides so that I always come yep. out on top. So really, yeah, really riding that fence well. Hey, listen, uh Georgia fans, if you're watching uh, go and subscribe and follow along with the Locked On Wolverines podcast. If you want to learn something, Isaiah will educate you on the Michigan Wolverines. And Michigan fans, if you're watching and you want someone to laugh at, then go ahead and subscribe to and follow along with the Locked On Bulldogs podcast because we are idiots and we will happily be your idiots for the next week and a half. Um, listen, Isaiah, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I don't know if we'll get a chance to do this again next week. Uh, before the game but um looking forward to it um uh, go subscribe to isaiah's podcast subscribe to this podcast follow on youtube and all the places that you get your audio and um uh, we'll both be back with more episodes tomorrow so see you guys later see ya